Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Me talking about prayer. The, the title of the message today is simply this, Becoming a World-Changing Prayer Warrior. Becoming a world-changing prayer warrior. And uh, before I get into my scripture here, and I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 7, how many of you would like to just read a ton of Bible today? Well, if, 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 if that's not you, I'm sorry, not sorry, because we are going to dig into the Word today. But I'm going to Matthew 7, so if you want to get in your Bible app or your physical Bible and turn to Matthew 7, I'm going to read a few passages uh, from Matthew 7 here in a moment. But I just want to say as we talk about prayer, God has surely utilized this facility to ignite a passion for prayer into this body. He really has. Uh, He has used this building. Honestly, one of the best things that's ever happened to this house is the emergence of the ministry of the prayer room. It really has. I mean, I don't know if you guys could chart this, but if we could reflect back on what church was like pre-prayer room, and what church has been like post-prayer room, I think we could all agree that it's changed. I really believe that God honors people who honor him in prayer. And we have just made a decision, and I think it's God that's made it for us, but we are going to be a presence people. We are going to be a house of prayer. God said, hey, this place is going to be a house of prayer for all nations. So we want to submit to that, and we want to build what Jesus is building. Amen? And this place is going to be a house of prayer. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to this facility. Our intent is to rent it out to another church for the time being. But it could potentially become one day our house of prayer altogether. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know that God knows and that we're going to follow him into whatever he wants to do. But we are a presence people. Everybody say, I am a prayer warrior. Look at your neighbor. Say, you are a prayer warrior. Look him back in the eye and say, amen. That's right, I am. It's about time somebody recognized me for what I carry. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to talk a little bit about here 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to be as a lot of scripture today, but we're going to hit on uh, a point in the Sermon on the Mount. These are red letters, so this is Jesus preaching and teaching about the kingdom, and he is talking here explicitly about prayer. So let's read from Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7 and 8, ask, everybody say ask, Ask. and it will be given to you. Seek, everybody say seek, Seek. and you will find. Knock, everybody say knock, Knock. and it will be open to you. Key words here, ask, seek, and knock. So if you're not getting what what you want, let me just ask you, in the place of prayer, are you asking for it? Are you seeking God for it? Are you persistently knocking on God's door for it? Because Jesus has some promises that he wants to reveal to us through this word. And it will be open to you for everyone. Everybody say, that's me. You mean, he, you mean to tell me he didn't leave anybody out? You guys getting this? For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Jesus didn't say maybe. It might be. He said it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Now, what we're seeing here is that Jesus is giving us the opportunity to look at the heart of the Father. You have to understand that Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, but he's not just giving us points. He's giving us perspective on how good the Father is. This is how God looks at you when you look at him in prayer. That should bless you. He said, listen, hey... If, if one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then who are evil by comparison, because that's us by comparison to how great and good the father is, that's how good he is, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things? Everybody say good things. Man, doesn't that just roll off the tongue? Is good. Yeah, it's good things to those who ask him. Amen. 
So uh, Jesus is teaching us here explicitly about prayer, and we repeated these words, but ask, seek, and knock. Here's the promises of Jesus. If you'll ask in prayer, you'll receive. If you'll seek God in prayer, you'll find him. If you'll knock on his door in prayer, he'll open it. If, meaning we have to take up the personal responsibility to ask in prayer, seek in prayer, and knock in prayer. And I want you to consider Jesus' promises here. He doesn't leave a lot of gray area for maybe God will respond. He says, no, if you'll do your part, the Father who is good and great beyond comparison will surely come through and do his part. Jesus promises this. And not only does he share with us the promises of the Father, but he reveals to us the potential of your prayers. He reveals to you the power of your prayers. He said, if you will pray, then this will happen. I mean, it is a wonderful, holy prescription of what happens when we take God at his word and we pray effectively, when we pray like world changers. All right? How many of you this morning want to start to pray like world changers? Well, we're going to learn from Jesus this morning how to pray effectively. And when I say praying effectively, I'm talking about prayers that get results. <laughs> Let's just make it plain this morning. I'm talking about prayers that get results. I, I want to pray and see results. If, if I'm not seeing anything, why am I praying? And unfortunately, so many people have lost heart in the place of prayer because they have not seen what they've asked for come to pass. Right? So I believe that this morning what the Spirit is doing as it's moving over our hearts is it's reigniting us this morning. It's reigniting us in the Spirit for a passionate prayer life. All right? We are a presence people. That means if you are a part of this tribe, you pray. <laughs> We're just not leaving anybody out. If you've been here for two minutes... I don't even care if you're a first-time guest. I'm speaking over you. You pray. <laughs> you love prayer, don't you? <laughs> My wife gets on to me all the time because I'll be like, take a bite. Try it. It's like some sushi she doesn't like. Here, you're going to love it. I'm like an influencer like that. Oh, doesn't it taste great? No, I don't like it. You love it, and I know you love it. <laughs> Isn't it good? Man. Oh, you love it. That, that's what I want to speak over you about prayer. Even though sometimes it gets hard, even though it requires perseverance, even though you need some endurance to do it well, you love it. <laughs> Everybody say, I love it. You love it because we're world changers. You know what I'm fascinated by? That although the apostles were excellent preachers, Jesus never taught them to preach. But you know what Jesus did teach them to do? Pray. To pray. And let me tell you, one does come before the other. If you're trying to preach good, you're going to have to pray good. Let me tell you something Ravenhill said that convicts me to the core. Ravenhill said, ministers who do not spend two hours a day in prayer are not worth a dime a dozen degrees or no degrees. Dang. Ravenhill up to Annie. He's like, if you ain't praying two hours, bro, that, that fascinates me as well. You know, John Wesley wouldn't even ordain a minister unless they fasted two days a week, Wednesday and Friday. Wouldn't even ordain them. Now, that's the world-changing energy that I am here for. I'm going to be honest with you. When I read stories like that, I'm like, oh, I want to fast two, two days a week. Oh, I'm going to pray two hours a day. Anybody else in here? Or for some of you, does that just exhaust you? You're like, I'm not called to that, bro. You know? Listen, you are a part of a family of world changers. You are a part of a tribe of presence people. You are a part of a people that pray. And so I want to speak that over you. You love to pray. And if you don't yet, just keep praying, and I promise you will. I guarantee it. We have to learn to pray like world changers. And we need to teach our kids to pray 
like world changers. And we need to teach our family and our friends and our coworkers and everybody in our orbit what it looks like to have a world-changing prayer life. Because the Holy Spirit wants to co-labor with you through your prayer life to shape history. Because that's how world changers pray. They pray in such a way that create impact, not just upon, you know, what they want or their own bank accounts, but upon history and what God's doing throughout the nations. That's the way we have to pray, with a bigger perspective. And so in order to pray effectively, we really have to discern God's heart attitude towards us when we pray. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, hey, look, I want to show you how the Father feels when you pray. Okay? Because what I'd like you to do, just for a moment, let's just do a little exercise here. A little exercise. How do you perceive that the Father feels when you pray? I, want you to, I mean, I really want you to ask yourself that question very seriously this morning. I, and I love what Molly said. I feel, he feels joy. I believe that. He feels so much joy. What do you think the Father feels? Whenever you pray, does he have his back to you? Whenever you pray, is he sitting there with like a ruler? Like, I'm about to pop you <laughs> in the mouth. Right? Because some people genuinely see God that way because the experience that they've had with their natural father has been in that way. And so oftentimes it carries over. And so we have to unlearn some things so that we can be world-changing prayer warriors. But let me ask you to investigate your own soul this morning, church family. How do you see the father responding when you go to pray? Because Jesus actually gives us some pretty good pictures about how the Father feels when you start to pray. The truth is, God is happy to move anytime we're hungry to pray. Let me say it again. God is happy to move anytime that you are hungry to pray. Anytime. Let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22 says this. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Everybody say whatever. whatever. Hold on. Wait, does that mean you can even ask God for the small things, the little insignificant things? How often do we, you know, sort of condemn our own hearts for praying things, praying about things we think God doesn't care about? No, no. Jesus says anything. You're allowed to ask me for anything in prayer. Mark 11, 20, 24, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Man, that is a good promise from Jesus, isn't it? So John 14, verse 13 and 14 says this, you can ask for, come on church, help me preach this. You can ask for anything in my name. And what does Jesus say? And I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father yes ask me for in my name and i will do it now here's the reality church god wants to give us what we ask for in prayer he wants to he does he wants to i can tell you now as a father of three I want to give my kids the things that they ask for even when I don't actually give them anything. Right? Because sometimes they'll ask me for things that they are not mature enough to handle yet. And so the reason I'm not answering their request is not because they've been bad. It's not because I dislike them. It's not because they're not good enough but because they're not ready for it yet. And me as a father, I have a different perspective. And so I'm able to answer the request that they provide in a way that is healthy for their hearts. And we have to remember that, that as we ask God for things, it's not that it's not in his heart to give it to us, but he, knowing the beginning from the end, knows what to give us when so that we're strengthened by the blessings and not crushed by them. And so you just have to remember, it's not that God's ignoring your request. He might just be saving it until you're actually ready. 
I'm telling you, church, he wants, he's a good father. If you ask him for bread, he doesn't give you a stone, right? Jesus just revealed the heart of the father to us for us, right? He wants to bless you. John chapter 16, verse 24 said, you haven't even done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have what? Abundant joy. God wants to give you what you ask for because he wants you to experience what's in his heart, which is abundant joy. So anytime you pray, you please God. You have to remember that. Anytime you pray, you please God. I can guarantee, because Jesus says it in the Bible, God is actively listening to you anytime you pray. He's actively listening. He is willing and he's ready to respond to your prayers. To your prayers. You have to know that. You are significant in the kingdom of heaven. You are a world changer. You are a son. You are a daughter. You matter to God. He gave his life for you on the cross. Why would he ignore you when you pray if he went through all of that pain and suffering and agony only to get to the other side of your redemption and ignore you? Come on. He's listening. He can't wait to hear. He knows the price that he paid so that you'd have access to his heart. He's ready. He's like, come on. Come on. I paid for this on the cross. Do you think that your prayers are insignificant to me? It cost me my blood so that you could have direct access. Come on. The price he paid so that your voice could break through and not have to go through a priest or enter into the holy hall. The price he paid so that all of heaven could pay attention to your prayers. He's so ready to listen to you. He's way more ready to listen than we are willing to pray. He's like, come on. You're not asking me for too much. No, you're asking me for too little. <laughs> come on, ask me for more. Come on, let's pray a little more. Come on, let's talk a little more. Come on, let's go deeper in our conversations. Come on, ask me for the crazy stuff. I want you to ask me for the weird stuff, the things you, the things you think are insignificant. I want to hear about that too. God loves it when we ask him for things. I love it when my kids ask me for things. You know, if my kid, you know I don't know why Isaiah's obsessed with asking me how much money I have right now. But he doesn't call it money, he calls it cash. He's like, Dad, how much cash do you have? I'm like, for what reason do you need to know? So I arbitrarily told him that I had 10,000 cash. <laughs> I just plucked that number from the sky. Yes and amen, hallelujah, I receive it. Um, and so now he's telling other kids, my dad has 10,000 cash. <laughs> 10,000 cash. And I'm like, why do you even care? And he's like, because I want Fortnite V-Bucks. You know, that's what he wants. He wants V-Bucks. And it, it's, it's so interesting to me that even when he asked me for things that I'm not going to give him, it still blesses me that he asked. You know why it blesses me? Because he believes I have it. In his request, he is ascribing faith to say, you have, you have everything I need. So even when we ask God for big things, he's not insulted. He's actually pleased by the faith we ascribe to put in the request, believing that he already has everything that we're asking him for. I'm not afraid to ask you for this. I know you have it. So I'm asking you for it. So we're going to talk about how to pray effectively, how to pray in a way that gets results. And I'm going to give you guys eight points, all right, on how to pray effectively. I'm going to try to cruise through these a little bit for the sake of time. But I have eight good points, I think. I really do. I think I have good points here. And so here's how to pray effectively. First, I want to look at James 5 and 16. It says the effective, fervent, everybody say passionate, Prayer of the righteous man availeth, oh, I love the King James language, avails much, all right? What does that mean? James 5 and 16 in the NLT says it like this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Are you guys reading the same book? Because this is good. The earnest prayer, the passionate prayer of a righteous person, that's a redeemed person. Somebody has been blood-bought by Jesus. The prayers of a righteous person has great power. That's what availeth means. Great power and produces wonderful results. That's scripture. That's eternal truth. We can apply that to our prayer life right away today. Number one, 
All right, here's eight principles on how to pray like a world changer. Number one is reverent submission. Reverent submission, all right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 says this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Why? Why? And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I love this because what, it, what we're learning here is that Jesus knew how to approach God rightly. And as we uh, become world-changing prayer warriors, we have to understand the heart posture or the spirit or the attitude that we must approach the Father in. We must, uh, when we go to pray, we, we need to approach a good father with reverent submission. And this must be our heart attitude, okay? Now, reverent submission translated from the Greek means holy caution. Holy caution or godly respect. I have a holy caution. I'm not just coming, I'm not just coming to my pal, right? I'm not just coming to my buddy. I'm not just coming to my bro. Although sometimes that makes its way into my prayer language. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm talking to Jesus. I'm like, bro. <laughs> Seriously. You know, because we're also friends, right? God has a lot of names. But we must never neglect the reality, the great truth that he is holy. Amen. That he is holy. So we approach him in, a, in the fear of the Lord. We approach him with a holy caution and we approach him with a godly respect. And what this scripture is showing us is that God always hears the prayers of the humble. God always hears the prayers of the humble. Consider Jesus' prayer in the garden whenever he, you know, he goes in, he, he's, he's sweating those drops of blood. And he says, not my will, but yours. He had a posture of humility. He had a posture of brokenness. And I believe, church, that God is actively sowing seeds of brokenness into our spirit in this season. I really do. And I believe he's going to water it. And I love what Lou Engle said. He said, there's going to be no public reaping without public weeping. And I believe, man, 2021, as God pursues us, as, as Sean prayed over me this morning, as God pursues us, I believe there's going to be a public brokenness. There's going to be a public humility. There's going to be a public reverence to this house where we are in awe and honorable towards the presence of God in such a way as that, oh, we approach you with holy caution because the thing that we're after is your person and your presence. We don't want anything else. We just want you. We don't want programs. We want the presence. We don't want entertainment. We want encounters. This is what we need. And also you can consider the Lord's prayer when he said, holy is your name, right? That's reverence, right? And he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's submission. So this is how world changers pray. This is how Jesus prayed. And this is how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. We have to start here. We have to start with reverence. We have to start with humility. This is how world changers pray. Number two, in the name of Jesus. Now, um, I, you guys know this. I grew up holiness Pentecostal. So in the name of Jesus is like everything. <laughs> in the name. You didn't grow up like me, I can tell right now. Because if you heard a preacher just say that, you'd go off. In the name. That's how we did it. And I loved it, to be honest with you. And uh, even if you listen to my dad pray now, he'll pray in the name of Jesus over and over and over and over again. And, he, and even when he ends the prayer, you know how when you say, and let the church say? Amen. See, you don't do that at Legacy Owensboro. Whenever you go, and, and let the church say, here's what everybody says, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Serious, go, the, go up there for a visit. You'll see, they're passionate about that. John, here's why. John 14 and 6 says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through Jesus. So whenever you say, I'm praying and I pray in the name of Jesus, what are you doing? You are acknowledging this great eternal truth. There is no other way to get my prayers heard than to go through the person of Jesus. 
God's not listening to me because I'm such a great person. God's not listening to me because I'm so cool. God's not listening to me because I've been on my good behavior recently. God is listening to me because I am praying through the person of Jesus. And it is only through the person of Jesus that I have access to God. So when we say, in Jesus' name, we are acknowledging this reality. John 14, 13 and 14 says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In Jesus' name is not just a polite way to finish your prayer over your supper. It's become sort of something we do out of routine, but it's not really religious. It's not just a polite way to end a prayer. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is to acknowledge that there's only one way to God, and it's Jesus and Jesus only. It, it, it's no other world religion. It's, it's no other personal savior by any of the world's standards. It is Jesus and only Jesus. It will always only be Jesus. There is no other way to eternal life. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other path to salvation. There are not many ways that lead to God. It is Jesus and only Jesus. And unless we are praying in Jesus' name, we don't have access to God. Was that too real to get started with that? Apart from the work of Jesus, you have no access to God. Doesn't that just, just remind you of how awesome he is and how worthless we are in our sin as he found us? We don't have any access to God apart from the work of Jesus. But because of Jesus, we have complete, unrestricted, 24-7, 365 access to the Father. And now we can approach him boldly, which is why Ephesians chapter 3 says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. That is why you can approach the throne of grace boldly, is because you are approaching in Jesus' name. If you are approaching in your own strength, you approach reluctantly. Isn't that true? Well, who am I? But no, the reason why we can say, I'm going straight to the throne. I am confident and bold that God is going to hear me. And it's not because of me. Because I'm coming in in Jesus' name. So whenever God looks at you, he's not looking at you and all of your faults and all of your sin. He's looking at the blood of his son. And he is accepting you, not on the basis of your greatness, but he's accepting you on the basis of the name of his son that you bear when you enter into the room. And he's like, come forward. I see Jesus. Come on, we should hide behind the strong tower that is the name of Jesus. As we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. As we worship, we worship in the name of Jesus. As we give, we give in the name of Jesus. Number three, thanksgiving and praise. Oh, how I love this one. I really do. And I think that one of the things, the lessons that the Lord's giving us in this season is how to have more joy. We, we've, been, we've been, a for a long time, we've been a very serious church. And we are very serious. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, we're on a 21-day fast as a whole church. You know, it's like, what? We're a serious church. We're serious about God's kingdom. Amen? We are. But, you know, being serious does not mean that you can't have joy and that you can't have fun. Listen, fun, and that's not what, this is a side note. Fun isn't sinful. Okay, see, I'm talking to you, serious Christian. Fun is not shallow. Uh, listen, us having more fun as a church doesn't make us a shallow church. You know what makes us a shallow church? Unchecked sin. That's what makes us a shallow church. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> we, it, that's what makes you, it's just you let people do whatever they want. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We're going to live a righteous, but we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun too. So just remember that. Number three, thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 104 and 5, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to every generation. Man, that should just get you happy. Like, Joy is such serious business in heaven. And let me tell you, Satan does not want the church joyful. He doesn't. You know why? Because he knows the word better than us a lot of times, right? And he knows what scripture teaches, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? So if he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. He doesn't want you happy. He doesn't want you joyful. 
He doesn't want the church joyful. He doesn't want us up here jumping up and down. He doesn't want us, you know, doing this. What is this? It's a worship leader move of some sort. Right? We used to, as a kid, we used to call it washing the windows. He's like. It's a wave offering, yes. Right? That's what it is. Right? These things bring about joy. Right? And we, we thank God for what he's done in joy. And this is how we actually draw near to God because we're given access into the presence through praise. Because literally, I mean, the psalmist says, enter into the courts, enter into the gates with what? Praise and thanksgiving. And so this is the way he's teaching us here how to approach God. If you want to know how to approach God in prayer, even when you're not here but at home, start with praise. What is praise? Praise is thanking God for what he's done. Right? That's what praise and thanksgiving is. We're thanking God for the uh, wonderful blessings that he's given to us. And one of the things that I, I, I learned through a friend of mine was that praise leads to worship. So if we can start with a spirit of praise and thanking God for everything he's done, the, the, the spirit will move on that. And I've seen this happen so often where we're moved from a spirit of praise into a spirit of worship to where we're no longer thanking God concerning what he's done for me but we're worshiping God for who he is in his, in his person, in his holiness, in his greatness. I'm no longer thinking about me, me, I, we, us, mine, me. And we're not thinking about that anymore. It's just we've been moved into this place of awe and wonder where we're like, you, you, you. You're so focused on God. And here's the thing. The spirit of praise will lead to a spirit of worship. The spirit of worship lead to glory. Yeah, we love glory. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. And, you know, it always leads us to joy, to praise and thank God. It leads us to joy. But when we stop praising is normally when we stop walking in joy. Here's the thing. We never stop praising God because we don't see any visible reason to praise him. We continually praise God because we have access to him. Do you guys catch that? We don't stop praising God because we're not being hashtag blessed according to the world standards. We don't stop praising because we don't see a reason to praise. Well, you always have a reason to praise. You know why? Because you have access to God. So there's always a reason to pray. No matter how bad the week has been, there's always a reason to praise. No matter how bad the job has been, there's always a reason to praise because you have access to God. You may not have access to money, but you got access to Jesus. Right? You may not have access to a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband. But you have access to Jesus. So you have every reason to praise and enter joy and have thanksgiving. You may not have access to a new car. But you have access to Jesus. So there is always a reason to praise and, and thanksgiving. Which is why Psalm 34, you guys know it well. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on. Now that's a good word for somebody in here this morning. It might not be going your way, but you have no good biblical excuse to discontinue your praise. Tell your neighbor, say praise him. Praise him. Pray, praise provides access to presence, so why in the world would we ever consider stopping? Come on, number four. Got to get through these quickly here. Running out of time. Boldly without condemnation. Uh, this is important. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, then the, then the Lord would not have listened. Now, this is very interesting. I'm I, fascinated by this passage as well because when we pray, conscious of condemnation or we allow the enemy to berate us over previously confessed sin then God doesn't listen that's what the psalmist is showing us here and I want you to think about it for a minute when you pray in condemnation you have no assurance of receiving what you're asking for do you right and that's why we have to go on to the next verse verse 19 but God but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Listen, it's actually illegal. It's the best way I know how to say it. It's actually illegal to go back and review sins that you've repented over. You know why? Because God has scattered them from, as far as the east is from the west, and he has forgotten them. So you are asking God to remember something he has no recollection of. Right? 
And so in order to review sins that have already been dealt with and covered by the blood is to open ourselves up to the spirit of deception. Because no, heaven doesn't remember it. You'd have to go talk to hell about a sin that's already under the blood. And, that's, and listen, that's always the tactic of the enemy, which is why in Hebrews, whenever Paul's talking about the sin that so easily besets us, right? You guys remember that? He's like, run, you know, cast off the weights and the sin. Notice it's not plural, sins. It's, it's just singular, it's sin. And that's what the enemy loves to do. He does, he can't, he's not a creator, he's an imitator. So he can't invent any new sins to come against you with. All he works to do is remind you of the old ones you've already repented over. You remember this? No. Remember when you did this? No. That's how you respond to hell from here on out. You, you remember whenever you fumbled that and you really messed it? Nope. I don't. You know why? Because I have a holy perspective. My mind is set on things above. That is under the blood. So it's actually illegal for me to go back and review it because it doesn't exist anymore. I will not be, be deceived. I will walk with Jesus. I am set free of my past. I'm set free of my shame. I'm set free of my sin. I'm walking with Jesus. So we don't, I don't have to have any condemnation. I can be bold knowing. No, no, I've been set free of condemnation. And when you pray knowing that you've been set free of condemnation, you pray with a holy confidence, don't you? You have this assurance like God's hearing me and God's about to answer this in Jesus' name. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's the way that world changers pray. That's the way that Jesus has called us to pray. So you don't, you don't have to, you know, I'm going to pray for this person, but I just don't know if I have what. No, it's never about you. Jesus has conquered sickness. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered disease. I'm not praying for this person in my own strength on the basis of my own righteousness. I'm going and praying for this person because God tells me to. I'm doing it in Jesus' name. I have full confidence that it's his will to heal him. So I'm praying for him right now. Now that, that changes everything, doesn't it? You guys getting anything out of this this morning? 1 John 3, 21, 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Right? Look, this is scripture. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. Hebrews 4 and 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is where you're actively seated in this very moment. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If we come before God on the basis of our works, we're condemned. But when we come boldly on the basis of Jesus' work, we can be confident that we're ready to receive God's grace. Amen? Okay, point five, moving quick. Are these good? You guys like these? I like these. I was reading them this morning just getting wrecked, you know? I was like, yes. I was like, I exchange condemnation for confidence. Amen? I exchange condemnation for humility. Amen? Number five is for God's glory, all right? Now, this is all about our motivation. Why do you pray? Who does your prayer serve? That's a good question. Psalm 139 and 2 says, You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. God knows our motive even when we try to conceal it from other people. He knows. So do you pray with the right heart motive? What is the way in which world changers posture their heart. Well, Jesus shows us in John 14, 13, he said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Why? So that the son can bring glory to the father. Jesus is revealing the proper heart motivation for our prayers. So that the son, Jesus, can bring glory to God the father. So our primary motive it doesn't mean that we can't ask for things for ourselves or for our family or things that we like or things that we dream about. All of that is acceptable because God wants to hear what we have to say 100% of the time. But the primary heart motive must be that God is glorified through Jesus as our prayers are answered. Amen? Amen. That motorcycle there is like... It's a prophetic picture of what it looks like when we start to pray. Just stirring myself up in the spirit. 
<laughs> God will use it. It's good to, yeah, it's good to ask, who does my prayer glorify? You know, is this all about me? Or if this gets answered, is Jesus going to get any glory from it? If this gets answered, is Jesus going to receive any glory? Because that's important. The strength of your prayers are directly connected to the purity of your motives. The strength of your prayers, church, is directly connected to the purity of your motives. Right? We come before God to seek his glory. And as we seek God's glory, our prayers become more effective. Number six, right relationships. This is a big one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says, and, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Matthew 6 also, uh, you know, same, same little portion here, verse 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now these are some bold words that we receive here from Jesus. And then uh, look again, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, it says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And whenever he says you must first forgive anyone, in the Greek there, it's anyone. So what, what Jesus means is, is that if you are holding a grudge against anyone, then that means you should forgive them as you pray so that your prayers are not hindered. Right, And so as we are, oftentimes this happens to me. When I go into a place of prayer, I'm reminded of somebody that's hurt me. I'm reminded of somebody that I don't like. So I'm the only person in here. Okay, cool. Let me give you access to my DMs for a week. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of people you don't like. It's great. And I think about them when I pray. I do. And you know what? I realize now that even thinking about them is the Spirit bringing them up before me so that I can forgive them and so that I can bless them so that my time in prayer is not hindered. Say, so, no, no, I bless them, I forgive them. Listen, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Even when you don't feel like anything's happening, when you stand in that place of prayer and you pray out in Jesus' name, you can have confidence that the spiritual environment, environment is shifting as a result of your obedient praying. I forgive this person. I bless this person. I release this person. Now, and, and, and everyone, anyone means everyone, especially those closest to us. I know some, for whatever reason, I don't know why, we, we, we tend to believe that God tolerates the offense that we have against our family. While, while, you know, really pushing us to forgive people we don't really have that much history with. Oh, it's totally fine. Totally fine. It's fine. Come on, church. But God actually marks out special, uh, a special attention. I want you to consider, especially the men in here. Husbands in here, 1 Peter 3 and 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. You know what that means? More delicate. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, get this, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, let me tell you one quick way to have your prayers ignored. Mistreat your wives. Man, doesn't that change things? Woo, I better be good to her. <laughs> Forgive me, wifey. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pray right now, and I need God to listen. <laughs> we, none of us want our prayers obstructed. So we get our relationships right. If you have an offense, make it right so that your prayers are most effective. All right, two more. Number seven, in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That means that the Spirit in you can always pray the will of God. Can always. And he who searches hearts knows what is, it, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Right there. 
So while we don't always know what to pray, the Spirit always knows what to pray. And so our goal as world changers in that place of prayer is to get to that place where the Spirit begins to pray through us. And so let me give you a prayer strategy here. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit until you do. Let me say it again. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit until you know what to pray. Pray in the Spirit till you know what to pray. And I, I, I can testify to this. There are so many times where I don't know what to pray. And if you have yet to receive a prayer language, I want to ask you to ask God for it. All right? So that you can pray in the Spirit. I, I genuinely do. I mean, I don't know how that works out for you and your philosophy and your theology and what you've been taught and all that. But I just want to appeal to you humbly with so much love and so much grace. Please seek Jesus for a baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you might learn to pray in the Spirit at all times, unceasingly, right? Paul said, man, I'm praying in the Spirit more than all y'all. Because he understood, man, I want to search the Spirit so that I can discern the mind of the Spirit so that I can pray out the will of God, which the Spirit is always praying for me. So I'm, I'm telling you, it's a strategy, it's a tactic, right? Paul did this, 1 Corinthians 14, 15. He said, what am I to do? I will pray with my Spirit but I will also pray with my mind also. And it shows us here that when we pray in the Spirit, it's not praying with our understanding. But as we pray out in the Spirit, we start to receive understanding about what the Spirit is praying. Then we co-labor with the Spirit. We start to pray the will of God. And then we pray world-changing prayers, which are effective prayers, which are prayers that get results. I'm telling you, try it out. When you don't know what to pray, just pray in the Spirit. Just start pacing around, praying in the Spirit. And eventually, it might take five minutes. It might take 50. I don't know. Who cares? You're with God. It's awesome. And you'll start to pray the will of God. Last point, and this is the best point, according to God's Word. World changers pray according to God's Word. I, I, I am not... I am not leaning back from this church. I am stepping into this with so much tenacity because the Bible is the most effective expression of objective truth that humanity has at its disposal. If you are leaning away from the Bible, you are leaning away from something Jesus leaned into. I'm telling you the truth. Lean into the Word of God in this season, church. Lean into the Bible. According to God's Word, Psalm 33 and 6 says, By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of His mouth, right? So we see a picture here, a collaboration, if you will, between the Spirit of God and the Word of God to bring about creation. All of creation came into being in this way. And we see 1 Chronicles 17, 23 says, And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken. Here's the most effective way to pray. Remind God of what he's already said. You remember, God, when you said this? That's the most effective way to pray. Let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant. Everybody say, that's me. And concerning his house. Say, that's here. Others too, but that's here. Be established forever and do as you have spoken. It's the same thing. You see Mary receiving Jesus into the womb, right? He says, be it unto me, be it unto me, according to what? Your word. What you have spoken, most effective way that we can pray. We take God's words that he has spoken and we turn them into our prayers. Reminding God of what he's already said. And you know what? He hasn't forgotten about it. He hasn't forgotten about it. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray as we close today. And I just want to pray that God would transform each and every one of us into effective prayer warriors. Each and every one of us into world-changing prayer warriors. Will you agree with that prayer? Awesome. Let's stand up. Let's pray. As we're standing, I just want to stand in a posture of praise, in a posture of victory, in a posture of celebration. And in a posture of knowing that God has brought us through. God has brought us through. He's triumphed over all of his enemies. He's moved in our midst despite any discouragement or disappointment. He's been faithful towards us. He's blessed us every step of the way. And as the last Sunday morning for some time here at 900 Gallatin, we are declaring, Lord, we thank you for this place. But it's never been about the place. 
It's always been about the person of Jesus. And though we transition into a new place, it won't be about that place either. It'll be about the person of Jesus, and it'll be about the people of God that need you, that depend upon you, that look to you for salvation, that look to you for holiness and for purity. And God, we just declare that as a team, we will champion we will champion what God wants to do together in unity, in one mind and one accord for the coming revival that we will experience as a house. And we will take upon the responsibility to today to pray effectively, to pray as saints, which is what the Bible says that we are, to pray as God's children, which is what the Bible says that we are, to pray as God's people, the called out ones, which is what the Bible says that we are. We declare today that we are world-changing prayer warriors. Everybody said, I am a world-changing prayer warrior. And if you're in here today and you have just despised prayer, God is giving you a fresh perspective on what it means to pray. The easiest definition of prayer that I have is simply this, just pay attention to God. Just take a moment and pay attention to God. Set your timer on your phone for five minutes if you have to. Say, for this five minutes, I'm going to pay attention to God. You know how to pay attention to social media. You know how to pay attention to Netflix. It ain't that hard. Just focus. Focus your attention for just a few minutes and say, I am going to become. I am going to grow this year. Make this a New Year's resolution. Make this a goal for 2021 that you're going to become a prayer warrior. You're going to become hell's worst nightmare. Because you know how to pray effectively and you know how to pray like a world changer. So in Jesus' name, we bless this house as presence people and as prayer warriors. We thank you for all of the opportunities that we've had to build this place and for everything that you've done while we've been here, Lord. Increase. Increase the anointing. Increase the anointing. Increase the anointing, Lord. We are, we are moving into a season of inhabitation. And we receive that word from you, and we say yes and amen, and let's try it out in Jesus' name. And so we say yes and amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.